Welcome back to our listeners. You are tuning into the Women and Wellness 360 show. I am your host, Lori Carice, and today my guest is Amanda Layden, founder and CEO of Period to Pause and the Vino Karma Project. Today's topic is taking time to pause and reset for your own health and well-being. So welcome to the show, Amanda. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for being here. You used one of my keywords, reset. I also do a 15-minute reset um, show. So this really ties into everything that we do. I think I feel like people need that pause and that reset mm-hmm. in so many different areas of their life. It could be professionally, you know, family, um, relationships, but always our well-being. You know, we need to kind of. It can't be New Year, new you every year. Right. We can't wait for that. is not the time to do it. <laughs> no, we can't, you know, just like, oh, New Year's resolution. I'm going to do this. You know, it, it probably needs to be a constant reset. So tell us a little bit about you and take us this topic, taking time to pause and reset mm-hmm. for your own health and well-being. Sure. So as you mentioned, I have something called period to pause. It's a double entendre. Uh, period, meaning, you know, at my organization, my company and my podcast, we talk about everything from period to menopause and everything in between with regards to women's health and health care. And then the double entendre part of it is that sometimes we just need to take a moment to pause and to reflect and see where we are. And so my story really is around my own health in that um, I was undiagnosed with a disease for about 20 years. Um, finally got diagnosed and it ended up costing me my ability to have children and, you know, went through multiple miscarriages, ultimately ended up having to have a hysterectomy because that's where my disease is located. And it forced me to really look at a lot of things in my life in terms of how I was showing up in the world, uh, what my marriage was like, um, also, you know, how I could really focus more on my own health and well-being. My disease was very, very painful. And so I was living with chronic pain. And when you're living with chronic pain, you kind of don't show up in the way you want to show up and you're not the person you want to be. And so, you know, there were some moments where after I had the hysterectomy, I was forced to reflect and say, is this who I want to be now fast forward? And that ended and um, I ended up, I'm almost divorced. So going through a divorce and that also pushed me into a moment of reflection. And I just took a five week sojourn in Europe and was able to reconnect with myself, take a pause to say, what do I want in this next chapter of my life? you know, without being married uh, with these businesses I have with making impact in the world And so I just believe it's super important for us to get back to ourselves, get back and embodied, and also to ask ourselves some really important questions. I agree. And that, you know, your health and well-being, it could also be, I'm going through that a lot right now with, with career, taking a pause Mm -hmm. and shifting and showing my, you know, specific direction. And I actually just went back to, I'm going back to school. Oh, good for I mean, you. Yeah. I'm in my fifties and, um, the company I work for actually has like a, a, they pay full tuition. Amazing. Yeah. So I started scrolling because I have a 15 and a half year old daughter who is very college minded. 
And we've had some serious talks lately about college. I know this isn't so much on your topic, but it is my wellness of my balance mm-hmm. and my mind. And I've been talking to her so much about college and attending Zooms on, you know, financing the early stages. We're not college obsessed. We're just college, you know, planning. And then I started going through this catalog for courses for me. And I signed up for a certification program. And then I started saying, oh, there's like a bachelor's program in communications I'm really Mm. interested in. So I'm going to get through this next six months. And then I think I'm going to go for it. And I think it's going to be because that was one of those things in my life where, again, I feel like I need that reset. I did not finish college. And it's almost I don't want to call it a bucket list, but it is that burden I carry on my shoulder, that little Mm. chip on my shoulder. Also that like, oh, I don't have my degree. And I just always wanted to finish it. And I almost feel like it's quite empowering that if my daughter and I were going through mm. college together. That's amazing. I love that. I love that you're taking, like you've asked yourself those questions and it's it's for you. It's for nobody else other than you. And that to me is amazing. I think part of, you know, when I, what I went through and all the stigma of um, being able to be a mother or not being able to be a mother or choosing not to be a mother in America in particular, like we we have a lot of, um, boxes or, or, or things where sh- as women were shoved into these boxes, you know, you're supposed to be this, this, and this by the time, you know, you're supposed to go to college. You're then supposed to get married. You're then supposed to have children. You're supposed to do all these things. And what I recognize is that I don't really live my life in any of these boxes. And so being able to pause and ask myself these questions about what do I want for the next chapter and being able to use my voice and live out loud. You know, for you, I feel like you're now living out loud in the way that works for you. Meaning if you go back and get your bachelor's in communications, that is awesome because it's for you, you know, and it's what you want to do in your life and not because you're living up to some societal standard or you know, somebody's telling you, you should go do that. Now you're just like, this is like so cool. If I get to have this journey between me and my daughter and you're pausing to reflect and figure out if that's what you want to do and go for it. Yeah. It's not, and it is checking off a little bit of a box for me. It's kind of empowering. Like, Oh, I, I just wanted to finish. I just wanted to finish. And it's not something that I feel like I've been disadvantaged with in life. You know, I've actually been a 15 year entrepreneur running a business. And when I say I, the company I work for is because recently I actually went back to, uh, work full time because there was a lot of damage to my business during COVID. I I run an event production business. So while I did see quite a bit of recovery, it's not full time anymore. And the the pandemic also taught me to have those multiple streams of income. I'm going to keep my business going, but it's not full time anymore. So grab a, you know, grab the full time and get all the benefits. And I'm like, wow, you know, this was this was a bonus I wasn't even expecting. I liked the idea of a regular paycheck. Now I'm going to get an education as well. Um, but what I like how you were talking about, you know, checking boxes, I just attended another event yesterday and there was a speaker and, you know, he was talking about grab a pen, write your own story. You know, as far as checking those boxes, we don't have to do it in what society thinks is Mm -hmm. right. You're right. It's like, go to college, have a relationship, start a career, get married, have kids. I, I had wondered if I was going to have children. I got a pretty late start in life. My first daughter was born when I was 38 and second at 41. And 10 years ago, I used to frame that as that's late in life. Now that's kind of 
very common. Kind of the norm. <laughs> now it's very, very common. Yeah. So I guess I don't have to use that tagline anymore. But it's it's my story and my journey. And it doesn't have to be not, you know, having children and certainly um, you know, physically you, you're not able to carry a child, but you certainly have options, but you're still choosing to write your own story and and go on your own path. And not only am I sorry, you know, I, 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 in hearing your story and also going through the divorce and, you know, I'm a single parent. So I, I get it, all those shifts and kind of reflecting and yeah. identifying, kind of reinventing yourself. You know, I love the reinvention. I? Yeah. Well, it's a challenge, but you know, who am I without that person? Who am I without these things in my life? Mm-hmm. Who will I be when I'm an empty nester? You know, I've yeah. started thinking about that Please. lately too. I'm like, oh, my daughter is going to go off to college and leave me. What do I do? <laughs> I can work. I can live anywhere now. Yeah. It's a big thing. It's, a, you know, especially for, I think women like yourself who have children and part of that is your identity, right? And so there's a lot of people that I know in my circles where they also were are mothers and their children have just gone off to college and, or wherever they are. And they're now alone, either partnered or not partnered. And they're asking themselves the same questions because they made their identity all about their children. Mm-hmm. And now they're asking themselves, well, who am I now? And trying to figure out what they do with their lives. <laughs> and it's it's fascinating to me because, you know, I'm an entrepreneur too. And I I love that I'm an entrepreneur, but it's not my entire identity. I'm also, you know, a world traveler, a dog mom, a wine lover. I started my career in wine. Um, you know, there's a lot of I haven't lived a linear life. You know, I've led a very jagged path, so to speak. And I think that allows us to then when you when it comes time to pause and reinvent, it allows you to go, well, what elements of these things that have the, of all these past lives I've lived in this current lifetime, what element and these identities, what element of this or, you know, what parts of these identities do I want to bring forward? Yeah, it brings me to something else. I don't remember where I heard it, but or if I'm even kind of saying it right, but there was something about not allowing your circumstances to define you. Mm. Meaning I have many times said, you know, I'm a single mom, I'm a single mom. And I don't like, I don't like to say it in a way of like, oh, pity me. I'm a busy mom. I have no time for anything or I'm financially struggling. While all those things might be true, I kind of just say it in a way of, you know, I, I have a lot and this is my priority, but, um, as far as your circumstances also not defining you, I actually had that a big awakening. You you mentioned, you know, saying you're you're a mom and that's like your label for a long time. I had that big awakening as I was approaching turning 50. Mm. Of course, anytime you have a birthday, you're like, oh, another year, um, which is a blessing. But, you know, when it starts getting those numbers you don't really like, <laughs> you're like, okay, how am I going to shift this? How am I going to make it this into a positive? And I did feel like I was mom, mom, mom. Mm-hmm. Everything that I did, I was defined uh, through motherhood. And there was a, a short period where I felt a little lost and saying, what happened to me being a woman, a woman with needs as well? You know, yeah. that needs to be equally as important. And as I was turning 50, I vowed to myself, I want to be on the upside of 50. I'm like re-sparking my life, finding new interests, 
wine tasting became a thing <laughs> for me again. Love that. <laughs> and, and my wellness yeah. and my wellness. Um, and this was just a few months before the pandemic. So what I'm grateful for is that I had that awakening and I started to build new habits that actually helped me through the pandemic because I, I had already started doing some yoga and fitness and having some things that I could catch on to online, mm -hmm. you know, because of course all the fitness programs were available online, but at least I had kind of prepared myself three or four months and, and allowed myself to be also important mm -hmm. that I think my mindset was in a way prepared to get through something like a pandemic when your business is falling apart, you're isolated, yeah. you're locked down, your kids are doing distance learning. One of them thrived. One of them was miserable. <laughs> you right. know, um, it was, it was a lot. My story is very similar to many people's stories, but because I took that pause and I did reset, I feel like it, it gave me the ability to get through some dark periods. Yeah. It's so important because I think, I think you're right for a lot of people that the pandemic forced people to ask themselves some serious questions. You know, who do I want to surround myself with? Uh, what do I want to be? What are my interests? You know, as you're, as you're mentioning, we all kind of, we're in this place where we were like, well, am I going to do online yoga? Am I going to go for a walk every day? Am I going, you know, what am I going to do? And I sometimes like the forced pause, the forced pauses, uh, which, you know, ask, Put our, <laughs> I can't speak this morning, um, which, you know, put us into a situation where we are um, asking ourselves some tough questions that we often don't take time to do. I mean, if you just think about now, it's, it's almost like we never lived through a pandemic, right? Everybody's behaving as if nothing ever happened. And, um, you know, if you just think about our days and everything that's coming at us, you know, all of the social media, all of the messages that are coming at us in the in the public spaces, all of the things we have to do, whether you're a mother or, you, you know, an entrepreneur, or you're going to work or you have three jobs, whatever it is, we're in this constant state of busy and doing, doing, doing. It's very rare we take time unless you have, you know, a morning practice of meditation or prayer or whatever that is for you. It's very rare we take time to just stop and breathe and take it all in. And as you said, you know, with um, going into your fifties, that could be a big deal for a lot of people, even though my philosophy is like, Oh, it's just a number, you know, like age is just a number. We are what we want to be. We have vibrancy. If we want to have vibrancy, we look after ourselves, we have health. You know, if we want to be healthy, there's a lot of choices we can make. If we take the time to pause, if we're asking ourselves these interesting and tough questions. I mean, for me, as I just mentioned, you know, I went to Europe for five weeks. I, ate great food. I drank great wine. I swam in the ocean. I had a love affair. <laughs> like, you know, ah, I did good for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did all of these things that just like lit my soul on fire because I wanted to feel again. And I felt like I was living in a state, not only with my disease and constant pain, but also in a marriage that was numbing me and wasn't allowing me to live out loud and live, you know, my true essence of who I am. And so that intentional pause got me back to writing. I love to write, uh, got me back to reading almost every single day. You know, I, I came back to California and I'm living a little bit of a different lifestyle. I've cut some people out of my life, um, because they weren't serving me. They weren't feeding me. They weren't fueling me. They were sucking my energy. And so that pause allowed me to really reflect and think about 
a lot of different things in terms of this next chapter of my life and being intentional about who I want to be. Okay. So my key takeaway actually is I need to go to Europe and have a love affair. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the ultimate? That's like how Stella got her groove back. Oh my God. It totally (laughs) was. You know, you say that. And I was texting girlfriends while this was in Greece. So I had a love affair with a young Greek soldier. I just got body uh, chills. I'm like, I can do that. Okay. All right. And I was texting my girlfriends and telling them. And a few of them sent the screenshot of how Stella got her groove back. So you say that I'm like, totally, totally in a lot of different ways. That's my takeaway. Go have a mystery love affair. I mean, it's, you know, it's recharge. It's it's not so much. I tell the whole story on my podcast about how we met and how like he, neither of us were supposed to be in that place at that time. Um, And so it was just very random, but um, I do tell the whole story and people are like, are you going to make a movie out of this? I'm like, you know what? I should, (laughs) I really should, (laughs) but yeah, key takeaway, go to Greece, meet an F zone and your life will be changed. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And I was excited about going back to school. (laughs) Can't meet anybody online through an online course. Okay. No. Right. There's that hot flash. I th- see, I thought we could talk about periods and menopause. <laughs> we can talk about that too, but. As I was like, oh, how timely is that? Because here we go. I'll just talk about it. Yeah. Two teenage daughters. I'm like, oh, okay, great. You know, when, when that happened to them, I was like, great. We're a household of hormonal hell. They mm-hmm. have got periods and I'm going through menopause and my Yay doctor, for everyone. <laughs> yeah, my doctor even like a year ago said, well, you haven't really hit menopause according to your, um, your, your blood work and everything. And just in the last two weeks, I'm like, this must be menopause. I'm always hot. <laughs> I'm always hot and I'm hot when somebody else isn't hot. My mom was here and she's like, no, it's cold in here. So it's you. I'm like, okay. Cause I kept hearing that hot flashes were like burning from the, you know, cooking from the inside mm-hmm. out. And that's not what I'm experiencing. So I was like, is this menopause? You know, you know here's we- the problem with the, the information out there. There's just not enough and people aren't talking about it enough. And each and every single woman or person who has, you know, um, ovaries and a uterus and everything else they experience menopause differently and perimenopause like you're probably actually in perimenopause because what they call menopause is when you no longer have any of those symptoms in a period which is ridiculous it's like okay so now i'm in menopause cuz i haven't had a period for how long there's just not enough information out there and one of the See, things that, that hasn't happened to me yet yeah I mean, so tmi to the world but i'm i'm so no we should be talking there. about it we should be talking about it because this is part of the problem is that I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, we barely talked about periods, let alone menopause and what that could look like. And so some women, you know, they have, they go through perimenopause for years and then finally they stop having a period and they have no symptoms. Other women might be having hot flashes. Other women might be having night sweats. You know, it's, it's like runs the gamut. And what I would say just because I've interviewed so many experts about it and people talking about it now, what I would say is like, talk to your doctor. And just because she's like, your doctor's like, oh, well, you're not here. Okay. But I'm in something else. And let's check everything because you don't have to suffer and live like that. You know, there's so many things out there now, whether it's um, supplements or bioidentical hormones or something that can help. 
And no woman should be going through like, you know, I know women who like they're standing presenting in front of an entire room of men and they just break out and like dripping with sweat. And we're because we're not even talking about it. They can't even say, you know what? I think I'm going through menopause right now. I need a five minute break and I'm going to go cool myself down and I'll come back in five minutes because we just aren't having the conversation enough. Um, and we should because 50, over 50% of the population is going to go in the world is going to go through this at some point in time. Um, and so we should be having these conversations that it's not even TMI. It's like, this is what I'm experiencing. What about you? Okay, good to know. So yeah, I guess I'm in perimenopause because this, this, this is my first symptom it mm. is the, the being hot and I'm not cooking hot. I'm just like, all of a sudden, should I turn the air on? You know, when nobody yeah. else is cold or nobody else is warm or yeah. I open up the freezer. I'm like, well, that looks inviting for me to stick my head <laughs> into. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you definitely, I would just say, you know, part of what we talk about at period to pause is using your voice to advocate for yourself and for others. And, you know, when we think about the medical system and what doctors go through, even if it's your, your gynecologist, they're just not trained enough on presenting issues for women. They get like two hours of training on everything to do with the female anatomy. And it's like, that is not enough. And then you go to your gynecologist and they are trained on so many, you just have to think about how intricate our systems are. And they're trained on so many different things. I think more than any other doctor, how on earth are they going to be able to help with certain diseases or certain issues if they just haven't had the training? There's no way. It's like, I don't know. I, I suppose it's like, um, like thinking about like a car mechanic or something. Like maybe you go to one car mechanic because they're a specialist in the carburetor and another because they can fix a muffler. A muffler. Mm. I don't know. But, you know, it's it's our bodies are so unique and none of us as women present our symptoms in the same way. And especially with menopause, I always tell women, really pay attention to who your gynecologist is. Do they have specialist training on menopause? Have they done the research? Are they up to date on the current research? Because there's a lot out there. It has shifted a lot from, you know, our grandmothers and our mother's days. You know, there's a lot that we can do to help support, whether it's changing the diet and that might stop, you know, you, you feeling overheated. It, I mean, there could be a lot of different things and we just should not suffer in silence because again, we're over half of the population. And especially with kind of our aging countries right now, you know, in terms of the baby boom generation, Gen X, you know, we're a lot of the generations right now. And you just think about who's in the workforce today and what institutional knowledge you have. You know, the the, the shame that I see is women leaving the workforce in their 40s and 50s or maybe 60s because they're going through menopause and there are no concessions or there's nothing set up for them to be able to help support them go through these changes and yet that's the peak of their inst that's the peak of their knowledge that's the peak of their skill set that's when they are most effective providing and and delivering in organizations and they're opting out because they're going through something which is so natural and normal that all women are going to go through and yet we don't talk about it enough and we don't have policies in place to support women that's interesting. I can imagine like an advocating for cooling rooms, just like how women who are nursing want breastfeeding stations, right. you know, it's like, because I used to run a trade show called the mom expo. Oh, 
I founded the show. I grew the show. It went national. And the last couple of years I ran it, well, and this was a while ago. I mean, uh, I started in 2011. So by about 2013 or 14, the conversation was really stirring of, you know, ner- having nursing stations yeah. at your trade show, not going into a bathroom, but having a station where there's, you know, proper seating yeah. arrangements, et cetera. So I started building that into my show and then it started even escalating. Like they wanted, man, they wanted couches and cushions and massage chair kind of thing. I'm like, well, <laughs> I can't provide all that, but, and, and now I know in the workplace, that's a concession, mm-hmm. you know, nursing stations and maybe even re- refrigeration or freezing, you know, pumping stations. So yeah, here, let's be an advocate for women going through menopause, having a cooling room. Yeah. (laughs) Temperature is set to 65. Right. Yeah. Or at least, at least have the conversation with the people that work in your office. I mean, if you have a woman in your office who is anywhere from the age of 30 to 60, say, they could be going through menopause. It's not just like menopause hits in your fifties, menopause could hit at any age, depending upon what's going on with your own body. And, you know, in my case, I was thrown into perimenopause, right? Because I had a partial hysterectomy. I still have my ovaries, but I had a partial hysterectomy because of my disease. So like overnight I'm in perimenopause. Okay. Well, what does that mean? And even my surgeon's amazing here. And, you know, I'm in San Diego. Uh, I had my surgery here in La Jolla and she's amazing, but I was sent home with no information about what my body was going to do other than, okay, you've just had a partial hysterectomy. You're going to feel like you got hit by a Mack truck for the next two weeks and come back in two weeks and then come back in 10 weeks and we'll clear you to lift over five pounds. That's it. What you just took out major body parts. What about my hormones? What about um, everything else that's going to happen? No information. I had to ask for it. So, you know, these kinds of things, if we continue to have these conversations and use our voices and ask the tough questions and force our doctors to also do the research and, you know, come up with, oh, you know, I'm not an expert in menopause. I know I just took your uterus out, but you should see this person or go see an acupuncturist or go see a nutritionist. You know, these are things that we need to be talking about because I know I'm not the only woman who's had a hysterectomy, right? Um, And probably hasn't been given much information about her body and her wellness and how to look after. And actually, this is a point that I should bring up more often. One of the things that they don't talk to you about enough when you're going through something like I went through, you know, a hysterectomy is major surgery, major. And in my case, um, I was a I was um, an emergent case. So they needed to get my uterus out before it burst and before it killed me. Um, But you go through, you can go through, and I'm not saying this for all women who have their uterus removed, but you can go through serious depression because, you know, that is an identifying, it's an identity, it's, it's part of your identity. Like, oh, now you're removing the thing that allows me to actually carry a baby And I know I can't do that because I've had multiple miscarriages and I was diagnosed with my disease and it was diffused. However, they're not talking to women enough about what that actually means for your mental state, for your wellness, for your health. And, you know, my doctor kind of said to me at one point, you could potentially go through some depression. I've seen it before. And she's amazing in bringing it up to me ahead of time. 
However, I just don't know that we're talking about that enough, especially when women are going through a diagnosis, a prognosis that affects their identity, their lifestyle, their life, their body. I mean, they remove major body parts. Everything is shifting, right? And hormones and everything else. But I think it's something we need to talk about with health and wellness and being able to, especially if you've gone through something like a hysterectomy, getting back into your body and and being embodied again to feel yourself. Yeah. It has me thinking about so many different conversations. I also think, is it possible it's just a Western medicine situation? Maybe they don't know that much about it. And that's why it's not discussed. Cause I hear, I feel like the conversations happen so much more when it comes to holistic practitioners, mm. you know, like it's a theory. I mean, cause I actually had a doctor one time um, frustrated. I'm like, I want to see if I can do something to balance my hormones. And she's like, I just left the other room with a woman asking, I do the same thing. There's no such thing. <laughs> there is such thing. Uh, I'm like, that means you don't understand. And this is the wrong. And doctor. also correct. Like <laughs> totally the wrong doctor. Like, first of all, don't dismiss me and what I'm asking. Right. Like that's, that is one of the things that's one of my biggest bugbears is doctors. I mean, doctors are under a lot of pressure. I honor them for the work that they do and they're working within a system that does not work for anybody. Right. So they have seven minutes to see a patient. That's bullshit. Oh, that's curse. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's BS when it comes to, you know, holistic health and well-being. And in my case, I did seek out um, Eastern practitioners as well. So I saw acupuncturists, um, I saw Reiki practitioners, you know, I was finding other ways to manage my pain, but also manage. And then after I went through my hysterectomy, I saw a somatic therapist, which is somebody that helps you feel your feelings, get back into your body, move through the pain. Um, and, you know, that therapy and just being able to name the feelings you're feeling like, you know, I would go to her and I'd say, I'm angry. And she'd go, well, what's underneath that? Are you really angry? Where are you feeling that in your body? Like how often are people asking you where you're feeling an emotion in your body? We just don't do that from a Western standpoint. It's like when we diagnose people here, we go, oh, it's just your uterus, but you're not looking at the whole system. Right. And so the the Eastern medicine and, and medical practitioners and somatic therapists and things that I saw were like, let's look at the whole because you're walking in this vessel. It's a whole body. It's not just like I'm walking around with my uterus outside me. You know, my uterus is part of the rest of the whole system. Oh, I agree. Um, this has been some great information, great takeaways. I think we can go on and on and on. Um, we could. That, yeah, <laughs> because I mean, there's just that ending on that note, you know, looking at the whole. Yeah, I mean, that that's your my including your mindset and being prepared um as we kind of wrap up here i mean you have amazing takeaways thank you so much i want to touch on again that you have a podcast and tell us a little bit more about that we already mentioned period to pause Mm -hmm. uh do you bring on guests i do so i bring on um women and gender non-conforming folks who share their stories so again everything from period to menopause and everything in between we've talked about mental health. We've talked about cancer. I've interviewed a seven-year-old about what it's like to be a little girl in America. Um, and then I also bring on uh, journalists, medical experts, and other practitioners. And so you can get some real world advice. And then, yeah, we just we talk about anything and everything going on right now. Okay. So for our podcast listeners, of course, in show notes, I can include those links for our radio only listeners. Tell us the best way to connect with you. 
You can find me at periodtopause.com or email me at amanda at periodtopause.com. And we'll be looking out for that uh, Netflix Stella Revisited documentary. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you're creative, just write it down. I mean, I am writing the book in all honesty. I am. And, and, you know, while we've been talking, he actually just messaged me. So (laughs) so now that my now my question would be. (laughs) <laughs> do you keep it in Greece and just, you know, you know, remember that fantasy or does the reality come home and maybe not so great? Um, I think we keep it in Greece. Okay. <laughs> I almost agree. It's like, you know what? That belongs in Greece. You know, kind of like yeah. what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, whole different thing. But I, you know, if something was so like amazing in Greece, yeah. it's like, we'll always have Greece. We'll always have Greece. If he comes out here, might ruin that. Yeah, that's or that's, he might be the one. So it, no, you I need don't, to discover don't, that he's he's far too young for that. So Where's Stella, uh, see, she was like <laughs> that was a twenty year old difference or something. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, you know, it's about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that works in San Diego. <laughs> Um, you know, and I wouldn't care if it did or if it didn't, because I'm leading my life. (laughs) Actually, you know what? It does. Just like I said, you know, I always said my norm wasn't normal of having kids at 38 and 41. Now it's very normal. And the 15, 10, 20 year difference. eh? Also pretty normal these days. I mean, if Madonna can do it. (laughs) You know what, Amanda, grab your pen. It's your story. Exactly. And I'm along for the ride. I'll listen or watch. (laughs) I love it, Lori. (laughs) Well, Amanda, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I I really enjoyed our conversation. This was wonderful. Thank you for having me. You've been tuning into Women and Wellness and the Stella Show. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to our listeners.